Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Aspirant. Tag Data Talk covers topics on the current state and outlook of analytics and data science. We use an interview format with professionals and academics to discuss use cases, future trends, talent and skills, organizational structures, and tool advancements related to data science and analytics. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Roger Aries with SunTrust, and we're talking about marketing analytics to drive customer centricity. Thanks for joining Tag Data Talk, Roger. Thank you for having me, Beverly. Awesome. Tell us why you are so cool. Tell us about your background, sir. So uh, basically, I'm an engineer, so the world for me has always been very mathematically driven. And uh, then I started thinking of how I could actually open my mind a little bit, so I took business administration. I'm also from Brazil, so I took those two courses in Brazil. And I came to the U.S. for my MBA in late 1999. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea would be exactly how to open my horizon, but I've always been involved in all the things that I worked, like companies like Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, doing exactly things that people would take a long time to just understand numbers to make decisions. So oh. I thought that applying decision-making processes being fact-based was a novelty. So pretty much more than 20 years ago, I started doing that as part of what I normally do, but then it became a science in itself. So marketing analytics ended up being something way defined in probably in the past 10 years. But for data analytics folks who have always done that, it was just a, a means to an end. So the background also included some specific companies that didn't have what we call vertically integrated, meaning mm -hmm. that you understand your clients very well, attitudinal data, you understand psychographics and demographics like Coke, mm -hmm. but you don't have the tail end of it, which is purchasing behavior. Mm, like what do you do with it? Yeah, and then at Home Depot was a different experience because I knew everything that they were buying, but I couldn't exactly pinpoint this cross-purchase analysis linked to personas and understanding the client very well. Mm. So when I finally moved into the Hyatt, like hospitality business in the Hyatt Hotels, and then IHG, and of course today at SunTrust, mm -hmm. that's a very vertically integrated industry. Both industries are, meaning that not only you get to see behave, purchasing behavior, but mm -hmm. also you're understanding the psyche and how people are making those decisions. So that's why having clients insights into marketing analytics became something important in development of my career. Awesome. So engineering plus business equals Roger, in a sense. And it sounds like empirical decision-making is your theme with an emphasis on making it relevant and consumable. Pretty much it. Thank you. Love it. Thank you for translating my 22 years of experience in five <laughs> <Just> seconds. <laughs> yeah. Love it, love it. And marketing analytics is um, definitely one of my favorite areas, so we're right in line here. So you're, what is your title right now at SunTrust? Are you senior VP or something? Yeah, it's called Senior Vice President of Marketing Analytics and Consumer Insights. Okay. And um, So the I, types of problems you, try, you tend to focus on are more around, like, how do we understand our customers better, that sort of thing? So we pretty much map out the whole marketing ecosystem. So if you consider some brand health metrics in the client insights perspective, so you say, how do I drive brand awareness, mm -hmm. aided and unaided, all the way through consideration, purchase intent, and once finally you convert those clients, what do you do with that, which is the old database marketing, right? So you start doing direct mail, email, all the forms of connecting clients. So that's the way bankers have operated. Mm -hmm. And I'm stretching that into the digital world and saying, 
now that I know about you and I understand what you need, so coming again from client insights, what are the things that I can do with that knowledge? Mm -hmm. So now you start translating into tactical digital plans that can augment the signal of a DM or a EM. Mm -hmm. So now your direct marketing, direct response activities now can be enhanced by being able to go and uploading email addresses onto Facebook Fantastic. with a specific offer. So we're strengthening the signal mm -hmm. that current marketing efforts are just very limited. Got it. I love all the data that's coming around, especially in financial services. It's one of my um, favorite verticals to work in, so love it. We're talking about um, marketing analytics to drive customer centricity. So help us understand um, what we mean when we talk about customer centricity. What's your thought on that? So I usually borrow Pete Fader's uh, working professor, and uh, his definition is very precise. He says that the client centricity is, first of all, understanding the customer wants and needs. Mm -hmm. So you start with that mapping of understanding who your best clients are, and once you identify that group, usually it's translated into long-term profitability. Within that group, you try and understand what are the true wants and needs mm -hmm. today, currently, and also what you're projecting into the future. So there's a little bit of prognostics and understanding the shape of the industry and how well those individuals will start consuming mm -hmm. your products and services. So the idea is then now, with that knowledge, what are you going to do to design new products and services to cater today's and future's needs and wants. So if you do all of that, then the vast majority of the profits that you generate will come from that small pool of clients. But that doesn't mean that the other clients that you're servicing will not benefit from the same products and services. It's just that you're crafting in such a way that now those services are pretty much aligned with the needs of those special clients that you have in your database, so to speak. Mm, okay. So we're not saying we're going to chop off the bottom 98% of that's the That's exactly right. Yeah, usually, usually that's a problem that people believe that, oh, am I just tossing them out? It's quite the contrary. Mm -hmm. These guys are giving you scalability. So your business, the way you design your business solutions are primarily driven by those individuals with whom you, you want to nurture a relationship. But in the long run, all of the other individuals who are benefiting from that relationship they were in top of mind when the products and services were designed, but absolutely, they are their vast majority who are maintaining 1,200 branches operating and all the call center services because this is the critical mass that is needed to run a business. Gotcha. Okay, so it, there can be some synergies around focusing on certain types of products and services to deliver to different types of customers. That's exactly right. It sounds like the, the gist of it, though, and the heart of it really is around um, just focusing on that customer as a starting point, not... Maybe maybe you say, oh, let me build this and hopefully people will come, but it's the other way around. Is that right? Yeah. So to, in a simple way, suppose that you do have, suppose that you're McDonald's mm -hmm. and you're servicing a part of the population that are very happy with the burgers and fries and Coke. Now, you know that in order for you to grow that, you, you are pretty much maximizing by doubling the size of the order, right? So mm -hmm. they've done that for, for a couple of decades. The problem is that if they want to get a new part of the population, which they did, they'd started creating salads and other types of options, even breakfast. Mm -hmm. So not only they open up the opportunity to a new segment, mm -hmm. but also the new opportunity for consumption. So that's the typical thing. To, so they knew that a projection of value from those clients would be dependent upon what kind of services that can lure them in mm -hmm. and then start shifting needs into what they have as an offering. So that would be a typical example of how it manifests itself. In the financial industry, it's a little bit harder to do that because the products are pretty much services and they are not exactly priced differently or they don't have a different hook, right? Right, right. There's a regulatory side, but Absolutely. still Absolutely, fair landing and all the mm -hmm. other pieces. Uh, yeah, it totally makes sense. 
So what kind of data are we talking about and um, how can marketing analytics help to drive that sort of culture, that mindset of having an external focus, not just like, oh, here's what we want to do, let's go do it, but more here's what the market needs and desires are and that's what we want to respond to. So the first one, the very first elementary piece is that how do you actually start acquiring client-level data? Many companies are data-rich but information-poor because their inability to kind of craft the data and be able to extract what is needed in order to perform a good analysis is immense. So Centrist is not different. So even at Centrist, we have gigantic portfolio analysis on vintages and things like that. But seldom we have the ability to look into client vintage because of regulatory reasons as well. Sure. But just think about if you had the ability to start building the DNA of each client and understanding how you acquired them, how you nurtured their relationship, how many opportunities you had to deepen the relationship, going deeper in products and services, mm-hmm. and you understand the life cycle of those clients. So if you are like millennials right now, the younger millennials are just barely getting started with checking accounts and deposits. If you go more into the older millennials, you're going to get more into having the ability of getting married, having the first child. So these guys are experiencing life circumstances that are changing more dramatically than older population, 50 plus, who are just actually in the wealth accumulation mode. So as you have like more and more granular data level on the client, your ability to pull client centricity is much greater and much more successful. Got it. So data, um, and I love how you called it the DNA, but like customer data DNA, so to speak, um, that is what helps you build marketing models around them and understanding more about what their wants and needs are. Um, but go beyond, tell me a little bit about about the type of data beyond you know, some people might hear this and think, oh, he just means demographics. I know you mean more than demographics. So tell oh, me about some of the richer data that would be available for marketing analytics. So first we start within our own house with all the data points and all the consumption transactions. That can give you a very strong idea of um, your transactors, the people that who manifest their needs in different ways. Then you start creating what we call a preference center. So what are the ways in which the clients like to be reached out or be communicated with? Mm-hmm. And then this is just for you to wait to understand the marketing microcosm, right? But then you go beyond that, and we do a lot of third-party data augmentation. We call client data enhancement activities. Mm-hmm. And what those do, they start like creating ways for you to determine the persona that is behind that. So the way you browse online, mm-hmm. the then the designs treatments and designs ways for you to start creating a more relevant and personalized message. Mm-hmm. So not only you're able to talk about what you're trying to offer, you understand the who, so who's behind it, which encompasses demographics and psychographics, but also you understand what are the best ways to communicate effectively with that prospect or client until finally you achieve something. So what is the value prop that you communicate through the medium? Gotcha. So it's a whole combination of efforts that makes a message crisp, clear, and interesting to the client. Got it. Okay. So in um, in marketing on the academic side, we talk about cognitive, conative, and affective. And it sounds like some of the data that you're talking about is, um, you know, cognitive being more what do they think, conative being what do they do, what kind of actions are they taking, and affective meaning what do they feel, like how are they feeling about us as a brand. And it seems that you're saying collecting all of that gives you a more holistic and DNA-based kind of um, data view of a customer, which seems like that would develop uh, stronger models. Is that right? Absolutely. And then it becomes a prescriptive modeling because now we set expectations based upon what we've seen, observed, and modeled. Mm -hmm. We know what kind of output we should be expecting. So now we have a response expectation based on those interactions. 
until finally you say being client-centric is giving you, I know it's overused, but the right person, the right message through the right medium at the right price at the right time. Right, right. So and much they, more personalized and real time. Yes. Got it. Love it. Love it. Um, what do you, I mean, this all sounds fantastic, but the reality is, you know, companies are companies and customers are customers and data is what it is. So um, in the real world, what are some of the barriers that you end up, you know, not just you guys as as SunTrust, but just what kind of barriers would you see that any analytics professional would run into in trying to develop customer-centric kind of um, organization? So there are a few that come to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is usually technological barriers. It could be that your data is not housed or kept in the way it's supposed to, mm. and that has an impediment from you to be able to extract those values, being able to project lifetime value of a client. So that could be one barrier. So if you don't have the right ingredients, it's hard to make the the good cake. Absolutely. Yeah. The second one would be, I still like touching a little bit of the data, but it's like understanding segmentation and persona mm -hmm. and journey mapping. So if you do have a good representation of the clients that you're looking for, then being able to extract and say, how many segments kind of comprise of those individuals? And then once you have those segments, how do I create a personas that represent those segments so I can actually start crafting the messages and treatments? Because now you have, it's a multivariate problem, right? Because mm -hmm. you have so many things moving at the same time and usually your response rate is so small. So it's like a thousand out of like five million clients that it becomes harder and harder to observe the positive outcomes so that you can actually have a way to build models that are more robust. Mm. So that's another way to look at a, an, a barrier. So that would be um, kind of an educa educational barrier, meaning that if people have a better understanding of segmentation and personas and what that means and how you can act on it, then that removes that barrier or at least reduces the odds of it being there. Excellent. Yeah, exactly that. And the, there's also the cultural one, which mm. is the much harder to transpose because the cultural barriers is that you have to and it depends on the organization. There are organizations that are multi-layered, and then by definition, you need a lot of buy-ins throughout the process. For those companies, you do have to work yourself from the top down, mm. and you have to make sure that you bring all those individuals to become stakeholders so they can own the process. So it's no longer a marketing initiative or a marketing analytics initiative, mm -hmm. but it is a company-wide effort. So it can't just be considered, oh, that's a data science-y thing for those people, but it's got to be more broadly socialized. There has to be um, some champions throughout. There's got to be um, an understanding of, and the benefit of the value of empirical decision-making, it sounds like. Is Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and you have to probably have some very clear evidence by running some test and learn techniques mm -hmm. that you decide to create some specific for a small population, part of the population. You design some specific ways to say, this is the way we would have operated. And this is the lift that you get versus BAU, right? Mm. But even if you don't have the ability to do that, to change the cultural mindset, which is, of course, one of the biggest barriers, you have to start crafting the message to multiple stakeholders and saying, when he goes into your swim lane, this is what you have to do. Do you understand the benefit of doing it? Mm. When you go to the other swim lane, this is what you have to do. And, and then from a company, like usually banking, has the tendency to be product-centric, yes, right? They manage yes. portfolios. The PL is based on the portfolio performance. Absolutely. And the risk that you take is also against the portfolio. And uh, the idea would be suppose that you have the ability to say 10% of my portfolio in deposits would have to have at least uh, two basis or two percentage points in margin. And then you say, well, let me give into the clients that I think I can 
go that thin. And for those clients, I would pay out a higher, just making it up, mm-hmm. a higher money market interest because I know in the long run, that propensity of that client sticking around is going to be from six months actually to 18 months. Mm-hmm. And when he does or she does, then my propensity of being able to cross-sell other products mm-hmm. increases. Mm. So even though I'm losing probably 50 basis points in that client for that specific negotiation, so the money market guy is not going to be that that happy, the company wins in the long run because now I have another lending opportunity, an extra credit card that I can sell. So that's the holistic view of a client. The client wins and the company wins in the long run. Mm, even though the a... money market portfolio may not lose that much, in order to help us fulfill that that uh, that idea of delivering the client what the client needs. Gotcha. So as it kind of elongate the vision to look, um, you know, for longer term value as opposed to just like what's right now at this moment. Which is one of the cultural barriers. Yep. Say, why would I invest in a 12, 18 month long play when I need next quarter results? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got cultural barriers. And, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second if I could. Um, education, advocacy kind of barriers. We've got data and technology barriers. On that last point, before we move to the next barrier, if we could, um, it seems like there's a little bit of a dance between data scientists and the business owners. Um, and could, Because when you were talking about when it's in your swim lane, here's what you do about it. It seems that that's not any one person's responsibility, that there would be a um, responsibility on the data science team to be able to communicate and make things consumable and relevant um, but also on the business side to be accepting and absorbing enough to say, okay, I, I hear you. I'm listening to you. I'm not just going to go on my gut. Would you say that that's a correct characterization or do you think it falls in one camp more than the other as far as responsibility? No, I think it's a, it's a very accurate way to describe it. And there's also the underlying competency level where you say, how do, does IT play a role in enabling those decision makings? Because now you have that prescription running within marketing science group and that prescription has to survive and be democratized across all the distribution channels. And so you have to have the capability even That's to exactly make that That's exactly right. Happen. So you have to make an investment in order for you to be client-centric. It would be interesting that a frontline banker would have the same level of information on that client or customer as much as we have on the digital side because we can load everything within Adobe and make decisions. Mm. Now we had a very good way of doing the decision engine operating in that realm of digital. Mm-hmm. But when it goes to offline call center, even the ATM, and the relationship with the banker, that level of insight somehow has to be there as well. Gotcha. And then one of the things that we're thinking about is that when you have a disposition at that level, and suppose that you feel like, okay, I felt one of the prescription would be a credit card, a travel card, right? We learned that probably we looked at the ACH data, you've been all over the place, you're paying bills for your travel, and we give you a travel card for rewards. That information gets to you through digital. So we have a real-time offer. So when you go to online banking, you see that beautiful travel card offer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it goes also to the branch manager. Mm-hmm. So if either of those channels can disposition and say, hey, Beverly, how about the card? And say, I have one that I use it most of the time. I don't need another card. Whatever channel you disposition, say, no more about travel card conversations, that dis- disposition should be flowing around the entire kind of system so that I'm not going to offer you a real-time offer online banking with that travel uh, reward anymore because I know it's been dispositioned in the branch during a conversation. Got it. So that our articulation and infrastructure for that plumbing to to operate. So for you it would be seamless, but for 
the industry would be a life-changing event. Oh, my God, I have to make sure that I cannot look stupid and offer her something that she just declined. Right, right. It makes sense. It's funny how um, the banking industry is changing so quickly with personalization and with real-time offers and the velocity that's expected and customers are expecting us to really know them um, at a very um, data-intimate kind of level that um, there's so much that has to happen in order to make that, you know, that sort of customer centricity occur. Any other barriers that you want to mention before I ask you the final question? No, I think that those are the the most critical ones that people tend to kind of stumble upon and then realize that, oh my God, this is a much bigger problem than I thought it would be. Right, exactly. So you can definitely not just, you know, run something and say, okay, here it is. Here's the result. Um, Have a good time with it. There are so many things we have to think about. Um, What final piece of advice would you give an analytics professional to help um, use marketing analytics to push customer centricity? Usually, you have to start small. So if you can get like a very digestible bite that is comprehensive in nature, meaning you can start with a small population, like a small segment that you think you can pretty much control the experience Mm -hmm. and understand the value of that segment to the organization, pull a fraction of that and use that as your test and leave the remaining as your holdout or your control group and just test things out with those groups. And I would also recommend understanding their needs. So try to invest a little bit in how do those individuals want to be communicated with? What are the things that actually trigger their reaction? Where they find themselves in their life stages and what do you, your industry contributes within that life stage or life cycle or, or uh, circumstance? And once you start understanding the true needs and you start crafting and developing either messages or products and services that can actually make a difference to that population, mm-hmm. you will definitely see a higher engagement. You will definitely see a long-term relationship being built and then you're going to hear more from those clients. So you, you can do that by just simply extracting, if you run a, like a community space, one of those social ways to connect with those clients where they give opinion to you and how they give you recommendations, how products should change, or you can have just a social listening mm-hmm. mechanism that is good. But start collecting as much feedback as you can. Use those inputs to start crafting ways to starting small, smaller audience, but crafting ways to to be relevant to those individuals. And I think that you would experience a good way to become client-centric. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Roger Aries from SunTrust, Senior Vice President, um, for talking to us about marketing analytics to drive customer centricity. Thank you, Beverly. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education, hosted by Aspirant. Have a great data set.